You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show, where today we are talking about the crash in East Palestine, Ohio, where Norfolk and Southern's train crashed. Long and the short of it, a 149-car Norfolk and Southern train that was almost two miles long and weighed 18,000 tons derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, dumping about 50 cars on the ground and five were tank cars containing dangerous vinyl chloride, which vaporizes into phosgene, which, by the way, is the same gas that killed over 75,000 soldiers in the First World War. Um, 11 total cars, I believe was the number, had dangerous chemicals, but five became the issue. And uh, joining me to talk about that is, uh, I'm Chris Bangle, Brian Wolgamuth of Enemy of My Enemy is here. Brian, did I say your uh, foreign last name right? Yeah, close enough. I, I, we've only been here for about 150 years, so I don't know if it qualifies as foreign anymore. But it sounds foreign to me. That's what Harry and Loki Wall described you as. He said yes, you had a foreign last name. He calls him <laughs> Brian ethnic last name. I guess Von, well, that, that explains why I'm on the list. Anyhow, Von Sparger is from Ohio, and he has a way more foreign name, and he looks for he looks like a Prussian. I was going to say, Swiss where German. were you? Swiss, Swiss German oh, explains. Oh, but that was pre pre Civil War when they came over. So Von is the pastor of disaster, and he is also from Ohio. Not near this, right? Like, how close are you to the derailment, Von? About one and a half miles northeast or northwest. So it's right on the border of uh, Pennsylvania. East Palestine is on the border of Pennsylvania near Youngstown. And so thankfully for me, I'm upwind and up. And even more importantly, I'm upriver. I did not realize how close you were. I thought you were like in near Cleveland. So you're very close I'm, to the- I'm about 30 miles east of Cleveland along Lake Erie. Okay, so, but how close are you to the East Palestine crash? About an hour and a half drive. Okay, oh. all right. So what's the coverage like there in Ohio from February 2nd? It's now February 20th when we record well, this. To be honest, what's it been like I knew there? about it. To be honest, I knew about it pretty quick, but that's also because I'm pretty... I follow the Ohio subreddit, and it's been all over the Ohio subreddit for weeks now. 
for the first couple of weeks, it was, of course, why is nobody covering this? No one's talking about this. It got so bad that the Ohio subreddit mods had to create a sticky thread and said, everyone who wants to talk about the drama, go talk there. We don't need 100 topics a day about this because it was getting overwhelming. Yeah, let's talk about the coverage first. It, it definitely did not get its due. It happened around the Super Bowl. Everybody's talking about that and the spy balloon. But two weeks later, there's. I was listening to this podcast by a lady named Trish Wood, and she is a. She's not a not like a COVID denier person, but she's definitely on that spectrum and willing to talk to people who are who are on that spectrum and interview them. And has covered a journalist that the alt journalist. And she had on the guy, I don't know if you guys remember early on, the guy saying we nuked a town for the railroad. He's the Youngstown emergency response <laughs> guy. She had him on. Oh. And she made an interesting point that the, yeah, half the stuff that they talked about was wrong. And really, this is Chernobyl level stuff. This is Love Canal all over. And well, Our goal here basically is to figure out what's going on. The tenor of the Chris Spangle show is that we're not trying to scare you. We're trying to figure out what's going on and figure out who's getting hurt and how to stop that. And so we're not trying to make you afraid of anything or this rolls into some global conspiracy and look at all the trains. What are they <laughs> doing to poison the earth? All that stuff. Look, I'm open to all that, but I'm just saying that's not the goal of our show. But she made a really interesting point that she's like, I just I can't believe that I'm on the same side as the Jacobin. I just can't believe I'm on the same side as Mother Jones. Their coverage has been amazing. The Jacobin yeah. and Mother Jones being like far left progressive. They wouldn't even call themselves Democrats. They're like the ANCAPs. No. Like on the other side of, they hate Nancy Pelosi yeah. as much as, and then Tucker Carlson and Josh Hawley and J.D. Vance and the new right. They're all on on this fence. But then yeah. the centrist media, the centrist Democrats and Republicans, they're not talking about this as much. I went no. to look and see if the Daily of the New York Times had done a show on this. They had not, which is why I opted I've for Trish Wood. Yeah. I've seen a few articles coming out of the New York Times and places like that recently, but that's been within the past few days. Yeah, like I would say the last week. So we're, what, days out? Yeah. About, I guess my point to summarize is the way that the people who would be called misinformationists or people who would be called conspiracy theorists drive now conversation like they're as much as people wring their hands about this stuff. I want to know your guys' opinion on this as much as people wring their hands about it. There seems to be a new level of accountability in media and politics because of this fringe alignment between left and right and so you can now get in the norfolk crash covered by mainstream outlets by pressuring them from below yeah as opposed to some so i find that this to be like an interesting story yeah. where that fringe media is now pushing main, mainstream media to pay attention to something they wouldn't have yeah well, the leftists i know that are decent they have a term for the centrists that you're calling them. They call them a word I won't say, but poop lips. Insert the swear word. Pastor, there. pastor, pastor. I know. <laughs> I'm just, that's what they call them. And it's not a term of endearment. It, they almost hate liberals as much or more than the right does. Because this is the kind of stuff that happens. But I've, I'm seeing, the, there's only two Democrats politicians so far that I've seen really making a big deal out of this and that's sherrod brown who is the only democrat of 
any influence in Ohio left. He is a senator for the state of Ohio. He's the only Democrat in anything close to a high-ranking position in Ohio left. And I say that and then, because it's gone pretty Republican. Yeah, it's gone pretty red recently. and Like Florida, think, it's now a red state. Yeah, and the reaction we're seeing to this is exactly why Ohio has gone red. Because Trump turned... Trump activated the populist wing of the Republican Party. And he's reaching out to the working class. That populist wing is speaking to the working class. It's speaking to the blue collar. And it's telling them, hey, you're right. Something's wrong. Where the liberals and the older style Republicans have just been saying, oh, everything's perfect. The economy is great. Yeah, it's great if you're rich. But there's people it's not great for. And I sound like a leftist and I'm not even trying to. But it's just... The fact that Trump was willing to admit that they're right made them listen to him, even though his, his what do you call him, his solutions are insane and don't work. Yeah, you, made the le- point that, you made the point that if this had happened in Philadelphia, oh, yeah. we would yeah. have never stopped seeing coverage. The- no. And I don't know that Justin Robert Young, a podcaster I listen to on politics, he said the problem is that Democrats are so wedded to message, what did he, message discipline that they won't talk about anything that doesn't help them politically. They gave up on Ohio t- four years ago. Something that happens in rural Ohio, that's not worth talking about. And that's why Buttigieg is going around talking about Chinese spy balloons, but he's not talking about something that's actually under his purvey as the Secretary of Transportation, which is a train derailment. Yeah, so this is, uh, so I read this on Instapaper, so I didn't see who wrote it, but it's on Newsweek mm-hmm. called Why Elites Don't Give a Damn About Ohio. And I could have sworn that this was like from an alt-right type, new right person, a Tucker Carlson. And then I looked up the Outlaws radio show and Darby Morrow <laughs> and the FCB radio network. I was like, okay, all right. Well, there is like this new alignment that is yeah. a lot different now that Brian weigh in here. Yeah, it's taking advantage of government inaction, which this kind of it was a bad it was a bad derailment. And there's been people flaring the flames on either side of this. You see the post come in about somebody goes out and says, look, I put a stick in the creek near the in the town and all this grease comes up and you're going. Yeah, you do that in almost any creek. You go and do that. There's bacteria down there. There's things that eat. There are greases that come up. It isn't from the chemical spill. But then you get to like people who said like they they literally nuked Ohio with a <laughs> nuclear bomb. Just went. I'm just off in Ohio, and they show the mushroom cloud, heavily photoshopped, and stuff like that. There's legit reasons to be worried about this. Everything that you oh. said at the beginning about yeah. phosgene, about vinyl chloride getting in, all this getting into the water. Yes, these are legitimate concerns. But the reality yeah, and- is, you got to balance it against what what's really happening. Is it being yeah, cleaned I mean- up? Are, is the water safe to drink? Yeah. And who's going to trust the EPA? Conservatives never trust the EPA. And Mm -hmm. conservatives are starting to find out that the real problem with the EPA isn't that they're trying to eco-terrorize everyone. The real problem is the EPA was put into place so that businesses could know how much they could pollute without getting in trouble. It's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. They they built up a regulatory framework that said, if you're in this framework, you're, You're okay because we we approved it. Yeah. We have obviously comments about that with uh, regards to Dupont and their poisoning of putting yeah. out a fertilizer that accidentally killed a bunch of trees. In and the I, yeah, yeah, I'm within. I can walk to a Superfund site from where I'm sitting right now. Yep, a Superfund site. 
Yep. It is a is a piece of land that is so polluted that even digging a few inches into the ground is dangerous. Yep. There was some chemical plants here during the war, and it is so dangerous. They're afraid to do anything to it now to even try to clean it up anymore because yep. it's literally bordering Lake Erie. And if they were to try to clean it up, they could literally release it into Lake Erie. Yep. And they're it's all the diamond, over the place. Yeah, it's the, the Diamond it's- Shamrock old the old diamond shamrock facility look mm-hmm. it up it's a super fun site it's one that's not going to ever be cleaned up yeah we have so, one here we have one here in town, small town indiana that i live in that was an asbestos plant that yeah. unfortunately it has been cleaned up fortunately it has been cleaned. we don't have the risk of it going to lake erie but yeah. it took 50 years to clean it up yeah and yeah i think that's uh, so let's play the couple videos that uh, you referenced because I, I mean when i don't I look at somebody poking a creek bed, and like I saw a video last night of Ontario, Canada. Yeah, and there was chemical sheen. The they were blaming this spill for it. Why did you say that the nuclear cloud, Brian, the scene from space, all that stuff was photoshopped? Oh, it's not photoshopped. Real? It's real. I'm not saying it isn't real. I'm saying that they probably darkened things, make it look far more sinister than where it really was. So he's saying he manipulated the photos a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that they took nuclear blast and put it on there and said, look, they literally nuked it. I'm saying that they just edited the photo for a more dramatic effect, which a lot of people do. But again, to say a nuclear bomb went off in Ohio, guys, let's cut down the rhetoric a little bit. Oh, no, this this is going to be worse because it's harder to track. Here is Senator J.D. Vance in a creek uh, near East Palestine, Ohio. Hey guys, so I'm here at Leslie Run, and there's dead worms and dead fish all throughout this water. So, something I just discovered is that if you scrape the creek bed, it's like chemical is coming out of the ground. Can you show? Can you come in? Or let me just show this to people. I don't know if you're going to see this in the camera, but watch this. Just see that chemical pop out of the creek. This is <laughs> disgusting, and the fact that we have not cleaned up. The, the train crash, the fact that these chemicals are still seeping in the ground is an insult to the people who live in East Palestine. Do not forget these people. We've got to keep applying pressure. That's how we're going to fix this problem. Thank you. Yeah, he pronounced it um, right. He, yeah, he pronounced it right. But the interesting thing is you see the little white things back there? Yeah. Yeah, those are breaks in the water table to go ahead and stop the water from flowing in. That's what it's there for. And I think I even saw an aerator going on in the background. Yeah, where damn. Yeah. They've dammed yeah. both sides of the creek that yeah. it's built into. So they're All trying right, let me to go back. actively. Let me go back to that. Let, let me. Um, here, I'll get rid of the audio but, and pull this back up because I didn't notice that. That's a yeah. interesting catch here. But yeah, they've they dammed up both sides of the creek because they're trying to prevent it from uh, getting anywhere else. Oh, so, yeah. So Chris, I, I don't know. I didn't even notice the little white snakes in the yep. creek bed. And, and then you the can background. see the water. Yeah, you see that water spraying at the top one up there? Watch as it goes. That water spraying, so it's aerating the water, trying to get the volatiles out of it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's and the funny to clean up. Yeah, and you go to any creek bed. I, this Honestly, I'm just going, have you ever gone fishing before? Cause oh, oh, no. So, I grew up at yeah. uh, it's Clark's Creek in Plainfield. That was, mm-hmm. it ran along our neighborhood tree line. We'd always go, and you did not go in the water because our parents always said, there's chemicals in there, and the rumor around school was that's where the school dumped. They would dump waste, 
And so I don't know if that's true. That's like fifth graders going, don't swim in the poop creek. I didn't get in that creek for that reason. Ohio's rivers and creeks have been polluted for a long time. And they're getting a lot better than they used to, be honest. Like, they're better than they were even when I was in high school. And this is not going to help. But really, the biggest problem here is a problem of messaging from the feds. Why is J.D. Vance able to make that video? Because... there's been silence from the people that should be saying something because at the beginning they allowed the railroad to run the show. They allowed the railroad to make all the decisions. And even if Norfolk Southern had the best of intentions with every decision they made after the derailment, they should not have been the one calling the shots because it doesn't look good because you know what the everyone in Ohio believes they believe that Norfolk Southern blew those cars up because they were trying to clear the tracks to get the trains running again as soon as possible. That's what people in Ohio believe. I doubt so, that's so why it is. I, if you two will give yeah. a second, let me explain why they blew this up. So this is a guy on yeah. Twitter who's a libertarian yeah. named Lysander Boomer. Hilarious <laughs> name. And I, so Lysander Boomer here, pro-liberty extremist, anti-violence entrepreneur, 5,800 follows, lots of libertarians follow him. And uh, knowledgeable about chemicals, I double-checked this with a friend that I know is a chemical engineer just to see what he thought of it, and he said that this was legit information. I am not an expert in chemicals. I am not an expert in anything, <laughs> but except podcasting. So I wanted to double-check it. So first, I need to tell you what, what term, and I'll put this link in the show notes so you can see it. He uses the term B-L-E-V-E, oh, yeah. and I'll call it believe an acronym for boiling liquid expanding vapor explosion which he says is mega bad news in case this would have been the equivalent to a boiler explosion if the boiler was full of toxic flammables so think chernobyl exploding if you haven't seen chernobyl on hbo you've got to go watch it it's tremendous there are tons of videos of believes out there mostly it's propane but vinyl chloride yeah there's been vinyl chloride explosions as well in the past 20, 30 years. So there's plenty of videos and it's the equivalent of like about a bunker buster type of bomb going off in yeah. the middle and of the They're small not town. good. And, yeah. But yeah. a railroad so hold on, guys. Hold did. on. Hold yeah. Sorry. No, Vaughn, I'm going to mute you if you don't stop. All right. Let me put us down here at the bottom so you can Bad see this pastor. a little better. They just, you can't get them to stop talking, Brian. It's just, you know how it is. All right. So based Lysander Boomer writes, based on my preliminary research, this is February 12th, 10 days after the derailed, train of vinyl chloride is something to be a short-term calamity with hopefully few long-term effects apart from the cause of the derailment most everything else makes sense and he's talking about the fire and why they lit it on fire vinyl chloride he continues is a highly flammable carcinogenic and monomer used to make plastic it's really nasty stuff bad for you down to at least 1 ppm but you can only smell it starting at 10 ppm it causes cancer, liver issues, and mutagenic and acute chronic exposure would be the people in East Palestine, theoretically. The hazmat information I found earlier today indicates that the evacuation of the one mile is standard. So they evacuated the town around one mile shortly after this. The fire is not to be extinguished unless the leaks can be stopped. Due to the risk of the Believe explosion, Approaching the accident was very hazardous for several reasons, even geared up. Apparently, a decision was made to vent the tanks explosively. This is preferable to an uncontrolled believe explosion. 
The combustion products are bad HCL and trace amounts of phosgene. Again, he said trace amounts of phosgene, but both of those will be eliminated in the environment quickly. Vinyl chloride is quite reactive and will begin to polymerize in the open atmosphere. This is actually good because polymerized vinyl chloride is PVC, relatively harmless. The environmental damage should be short-lived with a fast recovery. And he goes through and gives a ton of different links and all kinds of articles that you can then search through and look through and sort for yourself in that link. Now, let's talk. I watched a couple documentaries and let's give you a couple examples that I think are because everybody immediately went to Chernobyl with this because you see the mushroom cloud, you see the thing from space. It looks really bad, right? So... Chernobyl, and I'm going to talk nuclear accidents to compare the two between this and Three Mile Island. So with Chernobyl, you had a in both Three Mile Island and Chernobyl, you had nuclear reactors getting really hot, threatening to blow up. Three Mile Island, they avoided that. Even though there was some core meltdown, they still had the the ability to stop it before it blew up. Chernobyl blew up. So people Mm -hmm. can still live Three Mile Island. People cannot go anywhere near Chernobyl unless you're a Russian soldier being ordered to fire on on (laughs) or dig trenches. Yeah. Dig trenches, go stomping through the contaminated soil. Yeah. It's just the cancer for these poor soldiers is through the roof. Three Mile Island didn't kill anybody. And there were some later cancer deaths related with it from people who were in the plant. Chernobyl, there may have been upwards of 90,000 people that died. Three Mile Island, you have a class of professional victims that have come out of the Three Mile Island incident who I'm not going to minimize the trauma that they went to, but then I'm also going to minimize their trauma because they've used it for 30 years to try and smirch nuclear power, which is dangerous, which is something to be taken seriously. And they had a legitimate point that the company that ran Three Mile Island was not following all the safety protocols, was not cleaning it up. There's a great documentary on Netflix called Meltdown about Three Mile Island. But you see, look, the company here is bad. These activists are over the top and have made a personality out of it. But the government wasn't offering good oversight. I think it's very analogous to what we're going to in the end see here with this derailment. Now, Chernobyl's just on another level. It's just insane. And the HBO show on Chernobyl's great. So is the book that I'd have to look up the name, but I'll put it in the show notes. Now, what happened with this? What happened with the derailment? In my opinion, all right, is you you guys know I love to hate the government and blame it as much as anybody. But this seems to be a Norfolk and Southern problem. Norfolk Southern, yeah. not Ant Southern. Well, yeah. all the yeah. railroad companies in general, but yeah. true. So yeah. the, this New York Times article, I've pulled some of the highlights from it that I'll show you here. That talks. The title is Norfolk Southern's Profits and Accident Rates Rose in Recent Years. Yep. So Nor- Norfolk Southern controls about 140,000 miles of track. Now, here in Indianapolis, if you drive around Indianapolis, you'll notice that the roads are always under construction and pretty good. But then if you drive around where I go to the gym, the Ursa Y, you'll notice the saddest looking structure you've ever seen in your entire life that railroads drive on. 
And I asked someone one day that I was driving with, I was like, look at the failing infrastructure. Why doesn't the government fix that? They said, well, that's the railroad's responsibility to fix. And they are in charge of fixing the infrastructure and they don't. Now, Norfolk and Southern earned more than $3 billion last year and invested close to $2 billion in its railways and operations, up one third from 2021. So let's give them that point. But the New York Times, being the New York Times and anti-capitalist in general, writes, but over the past five years, it paid shareholders nearly $18 billion through stock buybacks and dividends, twice as much as the amount it invested in railways and operations. So these railroads have fought all kinds of basic safety regulations, modern braking systems, stronger tank cars, even information about what's on the trains passing through communities. This is a, according to a managing attorney from Earth Justice, an environmental group. And it just they say it costs too much. It's so she's very mad about all of the the payroll stuff that has been paid out. So they're not putting enough back in to fix the railroads, which is their responsibility. They're also doing something that so some of the questions, for instance, that are raised by this wreck. Did Nor- Norfolk and Southern have enough heat detectors on the railway line? And were those sensors working properly? There is some viral video showing that there was a fire like miles at, before on it was one 20 of the, miles, yeah, 20 miles away. You. And it was one of the ball bearings on one of the trains on the axle was on fire. It and should so have been caught. Part of the problem with this is that the, the company has, and this goes back to the railway strike that just happened and basic yes, safety does. issues. So this train had one conductor, one other employee and one trainee on it. And it was 149 cars long because at 150, it's classified as a very long train, which means there's more checks that need to be made. And this (laughs) has become a common practice amongst the (laughs) railways is they're running two mile long trains on tracks that haven't been properly upgraded for that load and jettison summoning these safety protocols, like inspecting all of the axles So that they can get away with it. So now they used to have people whose entire job was to do those inspections. And now the engineers themselves are being required to do the inspections and they're being expected to do them in half or less the time than it used to be. You used to have to do it. So they're just and that's what the that's a lot of what that strike was about. All the news was like, oh, they just want more sick days. No, they were seriously concerned about safety. And this was one of the main issues. But they didn't talk about that because that didn't fit the narrative at the time. Yeah. And so it, it was easier to blame. Look, Biden canceled their strike because of sweeping yep. powers that Congress has. And Biden signed with man- sided with management. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why Biden's administration has been so silent and has not been dealing with this in the way they should is because it only brings attention to the fact that the strikers were saying that this was going to happen and then biden union busted them anyway now brian biden today on president's days in ukraine promising 50 million more dollars or was it was 500 more million dollars yeah we've given them 54 million dollars a billion dollars excuse me in the last year joe biden has not visited east palestine trump has now, do you <laughs> did think Trump visit yet, Trump, or is he going to? I, I, he's going to, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah Brian, Brian, do you think that? Do you think that? Do you think that East Palestine should self-identify as the Ukraine from here on out? Maybe they'll get no. a visit in aid. 
They could, but the I think probably the bigger worry for Joe Biden, he hears that it's East Palestine. He's worried he's going to piss off the Israelis. So that might be the first <laughs> thing that might kick him off. But the question is, Buttigieg and things like that, there should be the thing that says, I'm not a fan of fly dude in to fly someone in who's really important and going to do a press conference and maybe have him sho- shovel a sandbag or something, get back on the plane, fly home. No, just get the smart people out there to know what to do. And the thing is this. We have this with the airline industry. We have this with the rail industry. We have this with the trucking industry. When there's a hazmat spill, there's groups they have to go in and take a look at. Was the federal involvement enough? No, not looking at it at this point. But when, then when your tweet, the when you're the, the are, yeah, his tweet came 12 days after the accident. Right. It was that was like his first thinking the first time he acknowledged it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's not surprising because honestly, he's more worried about balloons and his own numbers and things like that. And honestly, again, just this gets back to what we talked about right at the beginning. If this happens on the east half of Pennsylvania and not the western half of Pennsylvania or on the Ohio border, this is a yeah. totally different news cycle. This yep. all of a sudden becomes lead story, going to possibly a historic rivers that are being possibly contaminated. And the problem is that all that fear porn that goes on with that we're seeing normally done in the media is now being done by the alt media, by the mother yeah. Jones, like you talk about things like that. When people put up pictures of here's all the water tables that could be affected. And you're going, I, there's the, if you even did that, even if you evenly spread it out, there's no way you could even get detectable amounts of vinyl chloride. And let alone some of those water tables were upstream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the other part. Da- you you really have to be upstream. Yeah, you have to be really vigilant because I saw a guy getting pummeled on a meme page for pointing out that here's all the rivers that are going to be affected all the way to Minnesota. And he's yeah. the rivers don't flow that way. So how's yeah. that going to work? <laughs> it's and, Ohio River into the Mississippi and then yeah, south. That's right. what you got to worry about. Now, Cincinnati, for instance, has shut off its inflow from the Ohio River out of caught precaution. I yeah. saw our friend John Odermatt. Who lives in, hold on. Yeah. John Odermatt, uh, our friend from Lines of Liberty, is buying bottled water. He lives near Pittsburgh. I think that's a wise decision. I think there's a period of time while the environment kind of cleans itself. You should be really careful about what you're doing. I think saying that every water table in a an eight state radius when you don't really know just seems unwise to me to like reshare that stuff if you're not really sure. Yeah. Like it even, sounds right. It word. feels right. Yeah. It, but I'm but a, I've not. told you I'm an hour and a half away and I'm not really that worried about the water where I am because I'm yeah. up. I'm upstream. I'm up river as it were. My water's going to them. If anything, their water's not coming to me. Yeah. And, I think if you're in East Palestine or like in that five mile of radius them, of this, you should be really yeah. concerned. Should. I, but the funny thing is this, is that the things that the government should be doing and I went and looked for this before we did the podcast was, okay. all right, what are the water tests coming out back with? Are they coming back with any elevate? Cause you have a history of yeah. testing that goes back years. So you should be able to go back through and say, all right, we know what our average rate is of, cause every bit of water has a little bit of some contaminant natural or, yeah. or man-made. So you know what your averages are. Has any of them, have any of them gone up at all? Any of well, them? And the answer I, so far is no. Now that doesn't mean it isn't going to happen, yeah. but as of, right at the moment it's like yeah don't shove your face in the creek but i'm guessing the water like where vaughn lives is just fine if you've got this if you've got the infrastructure to be able to handle like in cincinnati hey we won't take from the ohio we'll take from somewhere else and we have the infrastructure to do that okay that's fine go ahead and do that that's what you should be doing 
most cases yeah. anyways, testing that out. But yeah, I think it's probably a little early to start jumping on the water's contaminated until you have some documentable proof that shows it or even a concern about it. The EPA yeah. says it's all fine. And the EPA chief says to trust your government. I think that's crazy, but I did. <laughs> and they well, tested the, the, this test happened privately. Yeah. yeah, and that's I'm what's sorry. happening is people are getting their own testing done and right, doing yep. it privately, which I think is smart. Yeah, because Agreed. who even knows if the EPA is testing for the right things? Probably they, the way that the EPA standards. the way the EPA took a second seat to Norfolk Southern in the initial cleanup makes people not trust the EPA at all. Because mm-hmm. they are just now, Vaughn, sending in the last three days, FEMA and yeah. the EPA are just now really sending people. FEMA yeah. denied the request. Biden denied the request. Uh, that was a little bit of emergency. political brinkmanship, too. DeWine yeah, refused to declare a state of emergency, which means FEMA technically can't come in ah. because it's not a state of emergency. And then after the right wing news organizations all made a big deal out of, oh, FEMA's not going in. Then DeWine declares a state of emergency. Then FEMA's like, okay, now we can come in. So it's just a bunch of political gamemanship again. They're turning this into a political football once again, like they always do, rather than actually taking care of the problems. Which is what they do. Because the thing is this, just like what Northford Southern does with 149 cars as opposed to 150, they're they're waiting for it. Okay, we have to cross this line and then we can do something. And the reality is that line should be probably a little more fuzzy. And of course, yeah. And those hazardous cars were on the end of the train. It would mm-hmm. not have been as dangerous if they were on the front of the train, but they put them mm-hmm. on the end of the train because that was easier for them at that time at that switch yard. Because putting yep. them on the front of the train is a lot more work. Putting them on the end, easy. But the train, the cars on the end, they're much harder to control than the cars at the front. If they were on the front, the, the engineers or the conductors would have probably noticed something going on far before it did. Which is what it gets to getting back to all the stuff we talked about with Three Mile Island, things like that. The problem yeah. with Three Mile Island was bad information. Yeah, We didn't know what was going on inside the reactor at a certain time. So we did things that we thought were right, but were catastrophically wrong. And this, again, is the same thing that's happened here. Yeah, You have better information coming in to trained people. Generally, you're going to have better outcomes. Maybe they catch yeah. the ball bearing, bearing issue on the yeah. train car, slow things down, call the fire department, put it out. It's a non-story because we do have 10,000 derailments a year. Yeah, we Most do. In fa- vast majority are the equivalent of a, a fender bender. Pops off the track because yeah. the track came loose because something happened. Yeah, and, I've been, and of course now yeah. I'm getting inundated with stories about train derailments. Oh, another train derailed in Ohio, yeah. a train derailed in Michigan, a train derailed in Chicago. And they're all minor train derailments, which is okay. But, but it's those seen minor as they're doing it yeah. yeah, the minor trail derailments are an indication that something's going wrong, and that should have been the warning, part possibly that they need to be paying attention more. But, Tell you what's you going know. wrong: Klaus Schwab keeps going out there with his buddy George Soros, <laughs> yep. derailing the train. He goes out. Does he go out in the Darth Vader uniform, Darth Vader yep. Junior uniform that he wears, and goes out there and uh, pops the pops it? I'm making know? a joke, but it's like when you buy a Toyota and you start seeing a Toyota everywhere. Like that's yep. what happens with this kind of stuff, where you start the oh, left yeah. does it with shoot mass shootings. And the reason trains are so derailed is because of exactly what we just talked about. Norfolk and Southern is not taking care of the railways. There's not actual. It's just another example in my mind of how you I said it all through COVID. 
if you are relying on regulators to keep you safe, if you're relying on the government to give you accurate information, if you're relying on them to give you more than $1,200 to save your financial situation, you're a fool. How many of these examples do we need of the government failing to have proper oversight to come in and actually manage the scene to actually keep people at the scene safe before you realize they can't do it. They don't have the capacity to do it. And so you should stop trusting that the government, you should stop trusting that the government can actually keep you safe because they don't have the ability to do it because of regulatory capture. Norfolk's been spending the past 25 years lobbying hugely (laughs) to reduce the safety requirements that they have on those trains and both parties. Um, yeah, and this is the thing oh, that yeah. DeWine's making a big stink out of this thing. Did you know that train was not labeled as a ha- it was labeled as it had no hazardous materials on it? <laughs> Oops. Really? Because that's, that's a big one. Really? Really? That's a because big there one. weren't enough cars on there with hazardous material to meet the requirements to have to tell communities I, that they has hazardous material on it. it it's but if they told the, yeah. I keep hearing this. If it ha- if they had told the communities who in the community would have been prepared or been able to do it? Like, if they you know, did, or if it was classified as having hazardous materials, there was a level they would have had to do more to keep the train safe. So that would have bumped it up just like the 150 car thing would bump ah. up the safety requirements. If it's mm-hmm. labeled as carrying hazardous materials, that would have also bumped up the safety requirements. But by keeping the number of hazardous materials that below the reportable amount, they don't have to do that. They don't have to meet that higher safety requirement. And so it's just another example of the government regulator really being there to cover more for the industry than to actually regulate safety. So they're telling they they set the as long as you don't do more than this, you're fine. As long as you don't have more than this amount of hazardous material on the train, you don't have to mark it as hazardous. Where common sense would say common sense says if you have hazardous material on the train at all, that whole train is hazardous. But yeah, government but regulations get, don't say that. But then we get into California where everything is a hazardous material. <laughs> then I mean, everything has a Prop I, 65 warning. Exactly. <laughs> it has a Prop 65 warning. But the reality is also if it, there is a point where we have to sit there and say, and this comes from a libertarian, at least yeah. my, my, my thought process, the private actor should have the responsibility to care for what is transporting through. It's like with diesel fuel. Is technically a hazardous is a hazardous chemical. You st- end up start burying things in government red tape and regulation, and going through towns and saying that this town all of a sudden bans transport of yeah. this chemical through here during these hours, and it becomes a logistical nightmare. Oh yeah, and oh yeah, and, I'm and definitely so not. You got to be able to say, okay, there's got to be a fine line here where, yeah. okay, yeah, we're skirting the regulation. We haven't crossed the line, but we know that if we run 149 cars, eight of them can only be can carry yeah. hazardous materials and we're not doing all the other work we should be on the back end then yeah they're legal but then again that's what the government do get yeah. back to but and that, that's my point is the government isn't about keeping us safe it right. is used to give these companies a way the companies use it to give them a safety net as it were because what would happen if there was a totally free market and they were hauling this super hazardous stuff through or they were polluting and there was no government agency said, oh, you can do up to this amount and you're fine. We have more private causes of action, but we don't because of the government. They get to use them as an out. Well, they didn't regulate us right. Yep. Let's go back to, I want to point out one more misnomer before we wrap up. This Trump regulation 
that supposedly this is all Trump's fault. It's not. So <laughs> back to that Norfolk and Southern prophet. I keep saying Norfolk and Southern because of a Bob and Tom bit called Norfolk and Waypal. Oh, yeah. We can get, <laughs> I shipped we can that get, elephant two weeks ago. So the article says, since the February 3rd derailment in Ohio, some lawmakers and activists have pointed out a 2015 safety regulation adopted by the Obama administration as an example of the changes that they say are needed to make railroads safer. That rule required electronically controlled pneumatic or ECP brakes that would simultaneously slow down an entire train rather than in individual cars. The rule applied right. to certain high hazard flammable trains carrying at least 20 consecutive cars filled with liquid yep. liquids like crude oil, which this two mile <laughs> train would not have met. Yep. They would do what they're doing, which is they would just not they would have 19 and not yep. hit 20. The rule was put in place in hopes of moving away from air brakes or trains carrying crude oil to make them safer after accidents and explosions involving those trains increased because of a boom in shale drilling across the country. But after right. lobbying by the railroad industry, the Trump administration repealed the rule in 2018. According to Jennifer Homendy, who heads the National Transportation Safety Boards, she said it would not have applied to this train. I can tell you right now, because I'm very familiar with that rule, that the rule would have no impact on this train. Those brakes would not have those brakes wouldn't have been on this train. So the railroads have maintained that the Obama era braking rule was problematic. Several U.S. railroads have engaged in extensive real-world tests of ECP brakes and found that the failure rate of ECP systems is significant and the repair time is much too long to make them practical. So the rule that the regulators passed doesn't work. <laughs> it never did, no. and that's why it got repealed. But no. he's got this guy like this, Sal Siciano, I think his name is, Cat. Sil Caggiano, who was on Trish Wood, is critical, who was the guy. And I shared it because I was like, man, what a great soundbite. They nuked a town for a railroad. I amplified <laughs> him. But this is the kind of guy that like that says this stuff that he now is a little micro celebrity peddling fear. And I think there's legitimate things to be concerned and worried about in this story. I'm not saying there isn't. But to say that this is a nuclear chernobyl level thing is not accurate according now what what with things like the love canal the reason you get the love canal where people are no longer allowed to live in the love canal area until they change the rules let them move back in they all get cancer and then they have to leave again is that chemical plants continuously for many decades knowingly pump chemicals into these streams a cloud of steam with phosgene that is widely dispersed is not as dangerous and not the same thing as the love canal and that level of disaster. So beware of people who are peddling that kind of thing because their incentive structure to do that is exactly what Trish Wood did. She said, this is like the love canal. Please join yeah. my Patreon to get more of this kind of information out. And now we're going to interview Syl, who's going to scare the shit out of you with a bunch of misinformation about how this is Trump's fault. So yeah. you've got to keep your head on a swivel, folks. Yeah, it, nature abhors a vacuum. And when the main media isn't covering it, when the federal government is remaining bum on it, what's going to happen? All the nut jobs are going to fill that space because people want to hear it's it, it, a train derailed, 50 cars derailed, toxic substances were leaking into the Ohio River. That's big. So if you're not 
talking about it if you're not getting ahead of the story as the federal government or you're not covering it as the mainstream media. You are literally creating a vacuum for all the crazies to come in and tell you what's going on. All right, final thoughts. Go ahead, Brian. The funny thing is this, is that I see everybody freaking out about this, and it's a good thing to freak out about. Please don't take me wrong in this. But the idea that this is a unique thing especially here in in the heartland, in the Midwest, is a misnomer. About three years ago, the United Technologies, which is now part of Raytheon and doesn't exist technically anymore, was purposely dumping hazardous chemicals into the drain systems here in a town just about eight miles from my house called Andrews, Indiana. And they town, in order to deal with that, put in an aeration system that was supposed to take the volatiles out of it so that it was safer to process and safer to work, except when the aerator doesn't work. (laughs) And then it promptly dumps the chemicals into the water table, which is exactly what happened. People started complaining about a funny smell in their water. They go to find out that there's massive amounts, 10 times the legal limit for all of these chemicals in this. And oh, by the way, the lawsuit, this was three years ago. They're now finally getting around to figuring out solutions for this. Now the water Mm -hmm. is back to a safe level. The chemicals dispersed away from the wells. They were able to turn off some of the wells. But three years later, this is still in the courts. Three years later, the government's still going, we're going to do something, but we got to make sure we're fair to everybody. And that's a story as of about 12 days ago, because they don't want one town to pay more, one town to pay less, and they want to just make everything okay in between. For the last three years, those chemicals are still in there. Lawsuit's still going on, and nothing's been done. Your government, hard at work for you. No. And this is what we're going to see with this. It's going to take three, five years for it to go through the lawsuits, go through everything else, and nothing will change. Yeah. The, no, the, no, nothing. Camp, the Camp Lejeune people are already on the ground. This is really yes. important. If you live in East Palestine or surrounding areas, do not sign anything from Norfolk and Southern. Yeah. Do yep. not sign yep. away your rights to sue them. Do not sign nope. any paperwork. We'll give you, they're giving everybody five bucks. And in exchange for that five bucks or 5,000 bucks, that was the galling thing is they said they'd recomp everybody for their trouble and Norfolk send everybody a $5 check. So that but was the amount co- of money they were giving the city. Yeah, that was so, the city. Uh, that okay. was separate yeah. from, that was separate from what they were giving the individuals. And that but, was okay. the structural limit. That was the structural limit. I believe that Norfolk yeah. Southern had. From so the feds. Pat, they Passed were by the Congress. They, I don't know if it's passed by Congress. I'm sure it was just probably. And they are offering money to individuals. There's lawyers arguing, oh, the way this is written, it's not going to take away your right to sue. But it is still probably dangerous to sign anything. Don't sign anything from a corporation and or the government, but they can put you in jail. All right, Vaughn, final thought. Just And like Brian said, this isn't going to be fixed, not unless we put real pressure on the politicians. And weirdly, like you said, the real pressure is if we get anything done, it's going to be from the populist left and the populist right coming together and pushing the union, what the unions were talking about. And I, it blows my mind that as liber- we're talking about this on the Libertarian podcast, but that's where that pressure has got to come. And it's got to be a systematic rehabilitation, like just allow the they had allowed the unions to strike, we might see safety recommend. We might see things getting safer because of the unions demanding it. Because those workers don't want to be on a train when it derails like that. They don't want to be the one that causes it. And that's one of the reasons they were striking. And if they hadn't union busted that strike, maybe that would have been the market's way of forcing Norfolk Southern to fix this. The government regulation, that's not going to fix it. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. If you got something out of this, please share it with your friends. That will uh, greatly help us. We really do appreciate it. And please sign up for Patreon. It really helps us uh, keep not just the network going, but also keep all kinds of keeps the network going, which we get to do all kinds of cool things with. Anyways, thanks for joining us here on the Chris Bangles show. We'll see you again soon.